0: They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Power Your Life and I'm Dr. Joanne White and it's always a pleasure to be here and we have the sun shining today which makes it extra special so many people especially now with what everybody's been going through the challenges of this year and challenges of separation and a lot of stress and and Fear. A lot of people have been going through fear and being anxious and wondering what's next and and how do we get through each day and how do we look towards the future. And it's really important to be able to work with yourself and figure out some ways to kind of de-stress and move out of that anxiety and fear. And I have the perfect person today to help us do just that, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Alain Cormier. He is a coach, a leader, as well as a storyteller, and he found his way out of chronic severe anxiety, panic attacks, as well as depression through the utilization of meditation, desperate for answers, He discovered meditation, neuroplasticity, and the mind-brain connection. And he also found his own stillness through several months of deep meditation, quiet meditation, which we'll talk about. Over time, Elaine's ability to cultivate stillness became second nature. It helped him rewire his brain out of the fear-based paradigm that had once become His normal. His healing journey continued and deepened with deep coaching as well as plant medicine, and they helped him uproot and heal the emotional traumas that were at the core of the fear based life that he'd created in the past. As a coach, his deep and successful work is a direct result of his own healing journey. Elaine is deeply grateful for having found the answers desperately needed and wants you to also live free, grounded, as well as empowered in each and every moment of the day and of today. So welcome, Elaine. Thank you so Did much. Can I pronounce pass. your name so right?
2: <laughs> you pass.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs>
1: welcome. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Yeah, having a having a good day. The sun's shining over here as well.
1: Yeah. That's nice. So before we get into the, the the healing journey aspect, what was going on with you before you found these alternatives of the meditation and the plant based way of living and and helping your body and your mind? What were you going through? Can you describe that to our listeners?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'll give a little bit, just like a brief uh, backstory. So, it's interesting, My when I think back of my earlier childhood in my teen years, I would have never said that uh, ident- I would have never identified with having anxiety because I just didn't really know what it was. But looking back now, it's like I was a pretty anxious, kind of ungrounded kid for most of my life, but I didn't really um, understand what I was going through and that there was a way out, and everything kind of came to a boiling point when I was uh, 19. And that's when I had my first um, panic attack, and uh, then that kind of threw me for for a loop because then my my whole body was, I I was like stuck on panic for most of the time, uh, just from from morning until night. And uh, so I was going through, um, my childhood was like low-level anxiety to mid-level anxiety depending on what I was going through, and then after my first panic attack, then I was just it was a whole other level where I could barely get into my car, get in my car and, uh, and go places. And, uh, my, my thoughts, my mind was racing all the time. I was just feeling, I had knots in my stomach and that, that that became my new normal kind of overnight. Um, and at the, at that time, I really felt like I was, I was trapped and felt a little bit victimized because it's like I was in university. It's like, okay, well, how about my dreams? How about my future? Like wh- what's happening to me right now? Um, then it forced me to, as as rock bottoms can kind of uh, can kind of do. It, it became a, a gift, and uh, it forced me to to seek answers. And luckily, uh, I found what I was looking for um, through through meditation init- initially, which was the first tool that I used to get out of the, the um, permanent kind of panic state that I that I found, uh, um, found myself in after um, the panic attack.
1: Did other people, like your family, friends, did they know or understand what you were going through, and and offer some kind of support in any way?
2: It's um, a good question. I, I was well supported um, by my, my my mom, my parents, my, my parents and my family um, made me feel really really supporting what I was going through. But for the most part, I kept uh, I kept quiet about it. I didn't really. There's a whole stigma around anxiety that I think makes, because because of the way anxiety made me feel, it made me feel so disempowered, so depleted of my own energy, um, that it felt like too vulnerable of a topic to open up about at that time in my life. Um, I felt like scared of judgment, you know, scared of being looked at or seen as as weaker because I was going through anxiety. Um, so I, I did have a really good support system, but, um, as I found as I, as I healed, then I realized that there's a lot of people around in the world around me that are going through what I was going through and are keeping quiet about it, but not everyone seems to find the answers that I found so that's when when I really lifted myself out of the the darkness, so to speak, that's when I, I um, started feeling a sense of responsibility to to offer solutions the solutions that I found to, um, to people people who really need it.
1: You know, a lot of people, like you said, are going through that, whether it's now or in the past, and and it is something that people keep quiet about often because it feels that that they're alone. It feels kind of that 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 it's not it it's not something that that other people are going through, and there's like you said, there can be a stigma attached to it. So it's real it's really important that you're able to share that because like you said and like i know a lot of people just keep it under wraps but when they're doing that there's so much suffering that they're going through and to be able to get support is key so tell us about meditation i know you and i talked about that earlier and i do a lot of different kinds of meditation what helped you with meditation why is that so important for people
2: um Meditation is so important for people for not only the benefits that I used it for, and I got from it, but uh I think it 's important because it's uh it fits to kind of it, it fits in with how we 're designed we need those moments of stillness we need those moments of um to train our mind to not be Uh, swirling around all the time and to really, we need to live from a place of being centered and grounded and meditation really uh, provides that Um, when, so after when I was, I'll call it the rock bottom moment after my first panic attack that um, I just ran to chapters, I ran to a bookstore and stumbled upon this book called uh, Train Your Mind, Change Your Brain by uh, Sharon Bentley. and it was a little bit too scientific—not too scientific, but it was—it's a—it's a scientific read. There's a lot of um, you know neuro uh, neuroscience in there, but it also talked about meditation, and it linked the two for me. It linked meditation with um, with the brain, and it taught me that if I train my brain, just as the title uh, the title says, if I train my I train my mind, I can I can literally rewire my brain. Um, so that was that was news to me, and that was a really cool concept, and it gave me hope and so the practice the meditation practice that I um, connected with and leaned into was is very simple just breath counting that's all I did really just I would sit down and um, I used meditation as my medication essentially so i gave myself i didn't want i didn't want to take meds and um and i was I was really backed in a corner, so I gave myself. I would give myself two to five minutes two to three times a day where I had to just get quiet, close my eyes, and uh connect with my breath and just count my breath and uh initially it felt like uh, one of the greatest struggles i ever under <laughs> struggles i ever uh experienced because my mind was so frantic and I could barely count like. I would count down from from ten to zero as my goal, but every time that my mind would drift, I would restart my count. So it was like a way to train my mind to come back to the moment and to come back to the moment and come back. Um, and so it could at the beginning it looked like you know just inhale, ten, and then I'm my mind would just drift away and I'd have to start at ten again. And then eventually, in a few minutes, a few minutes of kind of going and uh, through that, that inner battle. Eventually, I could go down to nine and then to eight, but then I would start again. And then the deeper I could go, the more stillness or closer to stillness I would get. Um, and <clears> there was no, um, it, was, it was very much a process-oriented practice, and there was no right or wrong way or, or, or like pass or fail or anything. It was just as long as I did it, I felt like I was making progress. And on uh, brain level, I knew if I felt a little bit better, I knew there was a new connection made in my brain. And so I knew that I was uh, moving in the right direction. And, uh, and you
1: know, what's very important to people, because I've, I've studied meditation, is that there are so many different forms of meditation, and some people think that you have to totally sit, whether it's breathing or other kinds of meditation. And when when I first got into it, I had a, a back injury, so sitting was, well, I did it, but it was so painful, and it it but I, what I want people to know is that what you just said is so important, and that is that your mind initially may be racing. It may, and it may seem that that, that no, this is counterproductive. It's not working. But like what happened with you, is keeping at it. The mind be, does eventually quiet and get still but i don't I want people not to be discouraged because some people will think, Well, this is ridiculous, my mind just won't shut up, and oftentimes our mind doesn't initially shut up, like you said, we have to train it, and when we do, that quiet is is such it is such a beautiful blessing. I do a lot of walking meditation right now, and I get my mind still and quiet that way and I, and for me, it's it's just a very, very beautiful experience. So I think it's important that people know there is, like you said, Lynn, there is no there is no right way. It the way is being able to whether it's through breath or through counting or or through just stillness or walking or other way. It's to just eventually allow your brain, your mind, to quiet and still so that. You can relax and and shift and just and also just be. So it's a beautiful experience. So a lot of people don't know about neuroplasticity, and it's so important in terms of our mind and our brain and 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 shifting. So can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Mm. It was new to me as well when I when I discovered I stumbled upon the um, that that book I mentioned, uh, and. Uh, as I understand it, it's our brain are always
0: there
2: – there was a misconception until recently, um, maybe the last, like, 20, 30 years. I'm not really sure about, like, the timeline of, the like, the whole development of that field. But there was a misconception that as we grow older, as we move into adulthood, our brain becomes more static, becomes more fixed. And so from that perspective, that means that who you're becoming as an adult, you become – who you've become as an adult is kind of who you're stuck as, right? You're, you're, you've become a certain version of yourself as an adult based on all the things that happen to you. And then without looking at the human from the lens of neuroplasticity, we would believe that, you know, okay, well, everyone becomes more and more fixed with time, with age. But neuroplasticity proves that wrong. It's It actually shows that our brain is a- are actually always, like, ever-changing. And just the reason why we might believe that it's not is because we live lives of routine and we ended up we end up feeling very similar feelings and having similar thoughts every day so from that perspective we're using the same parts of our brains routinely and so there's other parts of our brains that don't really get used because of how we settle into routines but even if we're not using all of our brain, it doesn't mean that it's not there to be accessed. And uh, neuroplasticity just teaches us that we can, you know, we, we can teach an old dog new tricks. We can really start to learn how to use our brain and make, create new connections in the brain. And those new connections in our brain are always available. They're actually, they happen every day without us really re- realizing. Just using our brain is growing our brain. Um, and so it's never too, there's no such thing as, you know, it's too late, I can't change, et cetera, et cetera. Like we, there's the science, modern science is proving that to be false. And, uh, and that's exciting because anything that we're, any kind of challenge that anyone is facing, um, you know, when we look at it from the lens of neuroplasticity, it's, there's potential for, for change and transformation there.
1: Yeah, and the beauty of it is that once, you know, like you said, our brains are, could be changing all the time, but recognizing that we have the ability to make that happen consciously to to have a level of awareness to what we where we want our brains to go, how we what what new ways, what new pathways we want to help create to do and to be all that we want to do and be is is the, for me the profound aspect of neuroplasticity that you said is so exciting because we're not stagnant. We don't have to be in in, in those old behavior patterns, those old mental states. We can shift and we can grow and we can actually make it happen more consciously with more awareness, and that's so important. You talk a lot about moving from getting out of your head, and I don't mean in terms of not utilizing meditation or whatever, but moving into more of a heart-centered experience, which I totally support and believe. So can you share with us what that means and how you did that? Firstly, what does it mean to shift from the head to the heart? What's what's involved?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, there's a qu- there's, there's a quote that uh, along the lines of like the journey from the heart to the head is the longest journey ever, or something like that. Like in, in physically, it's not a very long journey, but it can take a lifetime to really uh, to realize it. Um, and I think the big challenge because becomes um, there is our culture and the way that our life is kind of the 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 life that especially in the western world like it's so fast paced and uh there's so much mental stimulation so it can be really easy it's it kind of happens automatically that we can get stuck in our heads because there's so much input going on but it's not just the external stimulation that can get us really stuck in our heads and make that our default way of of experiencing our life experiencing our life but the uh, what I've found along the way it's um a lot of the the repeated uh, repeating thought patterns in our head are actually like manifestations of unhealed trauma in our body and so I understand trauma as like um, like a negative emotional charge that is very much still alive in our body but that we didn't process in the moment that it happened and um, those feelings that we push away don't ever go away, they very much do stay alive and the journey from the heart to, from the head to the heart means um, learning to feel, learning to feel again it's learning to be comfortable with feeling as well Um, because when we experience these Uh, Some, like, traumas can be very kind of like more sneaky experiences or they can be really, uh, really intense and and, um, and adverse. But if we're not equipped to process what we experience in the moment, then we turn away from it and we choose to not feel it. And over the course of our lives, the more we choose to not feel because we don't feel safe and supported in doing so, then we move more towards thinking instead of feeling as our default um, operating system if you will um, so for me you know, journey, that
1: that yeah that that's really very important because like you said when people are traumatized or upset or, or they the feelings are so uncomfortable so they push them down and like you said they don't go anywhere they're just in us and they can create all, all sorts of dis-ease and unrest and, and more anxiety because we're ignoring them. We're not paying attention to them. So what you're describing is so real for so many people, but it's it's so important to acknowledge those feelings, even if they're difficult, and then be able to work through them and shift them like you did. And, it you know, it takes courage to do that because not everybody's willing to do that. It's scary. It's
2: scary. It's it's uh, it's courage is the right word, for sure. Um, and there's a there's a quote that I really it's a, I guess like a principle that you got to feel it to heal it. Um, and we're kind of designed to avoid the challenging emotions that we feel, because it's safer to kind of just pretend like they don't exist. So it's um, it, we're, we're we've kind of created a culture where it's kind of a default way to just. Avoid feeling out of just comfort, um, and so yeah, yeah, it's definitely. It, it, it's a it's a journey that requires courage and also requires the right kind of support.
1: I totally agree. So, how does it feel now that you're more into your heart? What does that mean for you?
2: Um, I feel the heart, as I understand it, the heart lives in the now. It's very much anchored in the moment. So, living from my heart, and I mean, there's still—I I just want to clarify that. Like, there, the, the work is all uh, is still ongoing. You know, it's not like I achieved uh, something that's um, that, that's so special or I, that, that the work is done for me any, or anything. It's just I've, the way I live my life is very much comes from the heart first. But I still get stuck in my head sometimes. You know. Um, but it feels more grounded, more present, more um, more aligned, and there's less resistance for me in facing the emotions of my life. And that's a big that's a big part because as I, I kind of I make it a point to feel what I'm going through, so that I can process it in the moment, and so that I don't, I don't have to push it away and deal kind of have it come up later, you know. So it's a, there's a level of comfort. And it still takes courage to face the challenging emotions, but there's a certain level of comfort, and I've made it a habit to go into the emotions and understand where they come from and what do they mean, why is this showing up, et cetera.
1: You know, you said something that's, well, you're saying a lot of important things, but it, it's a, it, it is a life process. I mean, we're here to grow ourselves, I always say that, and I think that that's part of it, getting more into our heart-centeredness and oftentimes we have people around us, like there. Other people aren't comfortable with our emotions as well. Oh, stop crying! Don't cry. Well, I, mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, and she needed to cry, but but her partner was telling her, "I I can't. I I'm very uncomfortable when I see you cry. I I can't handle it." So, in in our culture, like you said, it's it's also. Not seen as as being you know being able to express our emotions is not always acceptable to to the people around us, and many of us have been taught to shield them to hide them because it just one it may not be safe, and two it's not permissible, and other people feel uncomfortable about it
2: mhm, yeah, yeah, I agree with that.
1: So, tell us a little bit more about your journey.
2: Well, it's interesting. We touched on uh, when you said the word crying. There, it uh, it connects it connects my story with um, with my journey into plant medicines, and uh, that's a topic that I think is also important to talk about today. Because, as okay. you mentioned, like you had your experiences with that, and it's helped you a lot. And um, it, it was a huge, huge, a huge catalyst for um, my own growth and transformation in terms of learning how to feel. Um, but tell I people was,
1: because a lot of people don't know what we're talking about. What is plant medicine? Sure.
2: sure yeah. Um, the p- plant medicines that I am talking about are psychedelics. Uh, psychedelics. So they're and I, I understand them to be medicine for our psyche and for our emotions. Um, I. Uh, I went to Peru. It was uh, like six, five, five years ago, and I went to an ayahuasca retreat and worked with indig- indigenous shamans with the with ayahuasca. And ayahuasca it's I'm anyone who's curious, I encourage them to research it. There's a lot to learn there, but um, essentially, ayahuasca is re- It's it's a visionary experience. There's some um, some visuals, some purging involved like it's a very intense experience there's nothing really comfortable about it but it really fits into like you got to feel it to heal it so you go and when you go into an experience uh with uh, these with psychedelics it creates a very powerful shift in in your psyche but it, it when and what it does is it from my experience it creates a, a very safe container to go and uh, be able to explore different aspects of your consciousness that and those aspects that have been kind of pushed away, those aspects that are, uh, that have become unconscious and that we kind of lost connection to. So in terms of doing like deep shadow work, um, plant medicines like ayahuasca and, and psilocybin, so magic mushrooms, are, are really, really potent medicines and they're not for everybody, but there's a there's a saying in the community that when the medicine, when you're ready the medicine finds you, and uh, that was the case for me um and my first two ceremonies in peru with uh with mother ayahuasca was involved a lot of crying like a lot like it was like hours and hours of crying and uh for two ceremonies in a row it was like probably three four hours of just crying and going deeper into emotions and I never used to cry like that was a whole it was very very novel very new I was kind of it's not what I expected but I felt so safe and so supported in that shifted kind of state um in the ceremony that I could just I just let it out but I would never have done that like in a sober and without the medicine it would have been it would have been a totally different journey and so just learning mother ayahuasca really helped me to learn how to feel comfortable processing my emotions and and that it's okay to cry it's okay when emotions are coming up, let them come up, don't push them down and uh and then the integration from those experiences helped made that I, I I really integrated that practice of if I'm feeling something I'm gonna make sure I feel it instead of the old habit of avoiding it and uh so the yeah the the plant medicine is like um going on a, on a psychedelic journey can be really, really powerful, but it's got to be done the right way for
1: sure. How did you find out about ayahuasca?
2: Well, it came into my <laughs> life when I was ready.
0: <laughs>
2: um, I had learned about I think I watched a documentary about it um, before. So it was in my consciousness for sure before I ended up, uh, I was presented with the opportunity to go to Peru. Um, but for me, the story is uh, I hired a coach to help me go deeper into my healing, and uh, and we went to Peru together, essentially, um, to kind of, as part of our, our coaching journey, and um, so, yeah, it really showed up when, when the time was right for me in my life.
1: Okay, not everybody's going to do that, and there are also other, other ways of utilizing plants, maybe not psychedelics, that can actually help people healing in terms of de stressing calming but not that kind of life altering experience that that you're describing for sure but like you said it's you know it's it's not for everybody and that's okay so mm. tell us about where you are today and then tell people how they can connect with you
2: mm, yeah well Right now, uh, there's a really interesting project that I'm working on um, called The Tribe. So The Tribe is uh, an online community of uh, brave leaders who are ready to fully step into their purpose and uh, face their fears, defeat their demons, so to speak, so that they can really live their purpose full out. Um, and the journey can be a, a lonely journey sometimes and we all need support so that's why my um business partner and and for a good friend Ricky and I created the tribe so that we can have a space uh for people who are uh, feeling a call inside to make a difference in the world but don't really might, maybe they don't feel supported or don't, they don't know where to look or they're ready to re- like take their journey to a new level and uh, that's the kind of support that we want to offer uh, that we offer at the tribe it's very much still very much a new project um, but it's growing and uh, and very exciting so the uh, our website is www.thetribe.me.me um, so if people are curious they can check that out and um, best way to get in touch with me be facebook and linkedin are the two social media platforms that i uh, am most active on
1: beautiful so what would you like to leave our listeners with
2: everything kind of full circle and go back to uh, the topic of anxiety a little bit because there's a a powerful message I think that needs to be, that that can't be heard enough because of the the mainstream understanding around anxiety doesn't seem to tell a story that it's possible to heal from it. And so um, the message I I want to leave the listeners is that if if you or someone you know is, is going through some um, some anxiety and feeling, um, maybe even, even panic attacks. No matter how bad it is, there's a way out. Um, I was pretty, pretty severely debilitated by, by it at my, at my worst, and um, it turned out to be the greatest gift that I could have ever asked for because it, I used it as an opportunity to explore my power and explore my healing potential instead of allowing it to really um, derail my whole life forever. And so I understand that the, the, an experience of anxiety and, and having severe anxiety and, or having panic attacks, can, it can feel like a trap with no way out. But there's so many things that we can do to help ourselves out of it. And, uh, you know, we're not born. No one's, as far as I know, no one is born with anxiety. It's, uh, it's a learned um, response, really, from just um, our nervous system becoming kind of tuned to fear instead of love and being stuck in the head instead of living from the heart, etc. So anyone who's listening is struggling with anxiety. There's a journey that you can take. You can heal naturally. Um, you can do a lot on your own. There's a lot you can do on your own. But then when the time comes, find the right kind of support system and, uh, and use it as a gift. Use it as a gift to, to really dig deep and... Um, and see what's possible because on the other side on the other end of it like feeling the, the experience that i had of being so tightly um gripped by it and then finally getting my power back and releasing myself from that grip was just uh, uh yeah like a, a great gift for me in my life and there's nothing different that i have that you know people who are listening don't have everyone can can go through that kind of journey
1: beautiful yeah it's a, it, it's also for people that you know there is hope, everything doesn't have to be bleak, and you said it so beautifully, because we can be more powerful, you don't have to suffer, you don't have to be in the constancy of anxiety or panic attacks or pain or whatever, and like you, I mean sometimes through most of our most difficult, arduous, painful experiences there can be the gift I know I've had that in in several instances and many other people find that and when they think there's no way out and then because they went through what they had to go through to come out, like you said, so beautifully on the other side you feel so empowered and so different and it's important so thank you so much for sharing your beautiful journey and for all that you do to help yourself and other people. It's a gift to move from fear to love and from the head to the heart, and you've done it so well.
2: Thank you for saying that, and thank you so much for having me and uh, giving me a, a space to to share my message um, with uh, with your listeners and with the world.
1: Well, it's a powerful message, and, and it needs to be shared. So thanks again for being here. Take care. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so
2: much you
1: too. Thanks. So think about everything that that Elaine Cormier talked about because it is so important to recognize that you have the ability, you have the strength. You have to you have to tap into it. You may have to get support because sometimes you can do it alone, sometimes you need that support, but don't hide from it because sometimes Hiding from our emotions, hiding from the fear of it really doesn't change anything. It just gets up us deeper into it, and the way out is to face it, to embrace it. And sometimes, as Elaine beautifully said, I hope I'm still pronouncing it right, is that there is the gift that you receive from going through that, from from the healing and looking back and thinking, wow, and so many people think, you know, that you hear these people just, wow, that, that they they never went through anything difficult. They never went through anything hard. That's not true. I mean, many of us have gone through the shadow side, have gone through the fear and the anxiety and whatever, but through work and through growth and through support being able to go through that and come out on the other side is a blessing and also a message for all of you that you can do it. You have the power, you have the ability and it's within you. So thank you so much for joining us. If you want to find out more about me and more upcoming shows and other kinds of things that I do, the short version is doc D O C W H I T dot org. Have a beautiful and powerful day and find moments to dwell in your heart a little bit and find those beautiful moments and recognize that not only is life a gift, but so are you. Thanks for joining us.
0: You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire.